What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast for the Las Vegas Review Journal. Talks about hockey, injuries, trade rumors. Oh my, there is, as always, so much going on in Golden Knights land. And we are so excited to talk about it here. I, of course, am Ben Goats from your Review Journal, Golden Knights beat writers. Joining me on the other line, as always, is my colleague David Shane this Wednesday afternoon. Dave. How's hump day so far? All right. No broken bones, uh, no torn ligaments or anything like that for me. So apparently I'm doing better than most of the Golden Knights top nine forwards. This yeah, I was going to say we're getting very much to the point where one of us might have to uh, suit up for the team. I will tell them that I will come very cheap. I will even play uh, for under the league minimum, even though uh, pretty sure that's not allowed. But they're going to need... Uh, as much help as they can get moving forward here because the injuries just keep coming. And, of course, we're going to talk about the latest blow that the Knights have suffered on this episode. Uh, we're going to discuss once again a uh, potential, uh, not short-term, but potentially long-term reinforcement that is still rumored uh, to potentially be coming in. And, of course, so much more on this edition of the uh, Golden Edge podcast. Before we get into everything, I just want to remind everyone that uh, we are brought to you by the Las Vegas Review Journal. That, of course, is uh, the main employer. That's what pays the bills. Make sure to check out all our written work at ReviewJournal.com. We've had uh, so much for you guys this past week, as always. Uh, make sure to uh, give all our stuff a read there because that's where all the injury news goes right away when we get it. And uh, we've had plenty of that recently. Uh, also, we are presented by Blue Wire. Uh, and if you guys could uh, rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do podcast due to this one, it would very much be appreciated. All right. Well, uh, since we last talked, which was not even that long ago, but already the Golden Knights have suffered a major in- injury in between our episodes. Uh, this time it was center William Carlson. Uh, he was expected to miss between uh, four to six weeks with a broken foot. Uh, of course, this is already a team that has uh, Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, Zach Whitecloud, Nolan Patrick, and Alex Tuck on injured reserve currently. That's a crazy amount of people off, uh, you know, to the side at this point, not in the lineup. Uh, Stone was skating on his own Friday after the night's uh, morning skate, but we don't know exactly when he'll be back. He didn't play last night, Tuesday, against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Nolan Patrick, Dave reported this. Recently, he's not on the Knights' current road trip. They still have three games left on this trip, but he could return after that. I mean, Dave, are we getting to the point where uh, you or I really need to, you know, get ready to lace them up here? Seems like maybe we need to uh, dust off the shoulder pads and maybe uh, see if we can find some electrical tape to uh, get the shin pads, you know, on there secure, but... You know, I don't know. It, it, I, I, there were some rumblings that Mark Stone might be kind of on a similar timetable, maybe to Nolan Patrick's return. You know, maybe it's, you know, once they come back from the road trip and, you know, the homestand starts and, you know, maybe a couple games into it, something like that. That th- There were some whispers about that, you know, yesterday and today. So, obviously, we saw him before the road trip you know, skating on his own at City National. I don't think we were supposed to see that, but, you know, that's on them. We all walked out and Mark Stone happened to be on the ice. So, 
we, we know at least at that point he felt well enough to test some things out. Uh, he certainly wasn't going full speed. Uh, he was definitely, you know, kind of slowly doing crossovers and kind of working some some things out, just kind of, you know, nice, easy strides and, and that sort of stuff when we walked by. So maybe there's a little bit of optimism. Maybe there's a light at the end of the tunnel here that you and I don't have to quite <laughs> dig out our gear. Um, but it's it's definitely a, a rough patch. And, you know, the other thing too is they're in a situation where there's a bunch of guys hurt you know, down with the Silver Knights too. Like they can't even bring up somebody like Jack Dugan at this point because Jack Dugan hasn't played since October 15th. So it's not just, you know, with the big club there, that's kind of epidemic throughout the whole organization really right now. Yeah, it's absolutely nuts. But yeah, the key thing to Stone at least skating, not that we have a firm um, timetable of when he will play again for the Golden Knights, but it is some level of news because he had kind of the murkiest timeline out of all these guys um patch ready when he got hurt the expectation uh according to elliot friedman of sportsnet was he'd be out six weeks that puts him around beginning of december carlson that for a six-week timeline puts him you know middle to beginning of december somewhere around there tuck is probably like right before the olympic break uh right after the olympic break white cloud um not exactly sure but he's week to week so definitely not expecting him back anytime soon um but now i mean it seems obvious to say but i mean the knights are really short-handed and they're without a lot of guys who have contributed a lot of goals um so with carlson out uh brett howden who is a kind of career fourth line guy who was traded for a fourth round pick in the offseason and was probably going to be the 13th forward if everyone was healthy to start the year which obviously didn't come close to happening uh started last night's game between jonathan marcheseau and riley smith uh, that experiment was ended quickly uh, by the second period. Chandler Stevenson was moved up there, but it just shows what kind of shape uh, this lineup was in. Uh, the Knights got shut out by the Maple Leafs. They lost 4-0. Uh, they've been shut out uh, twice in nine games this year. They were shut out three times in 56 games last year. Uh, they've scored 2.22 goals per game this year. That ranks 28th uh, in the NHL. Uh, I mean, we set, you know, kind of, um, initial expectations, Dave, that, hey, just try to survive this stretch without all these guys. Try to maybe, you know, go like 500 um, without these top scorers. Now when you're talking about, okay, now Carlson's out too, you know, is it realistic that they can keep up that pace until those guys get back? Well, I think if you're going to look at the schedule and you're going to be optimistic about it, you know, you've got seven of the next nine after this after this road trip is done, all at home. And so, you know, again, it's about just kind of you don't expect to put up points at the same rate you did last season or, you know, the season before even or anything like that. You know, you're not necessarily trying to do that. And if you've got seven of nine and hang on a second, I'm even going to flip over here. Uh, in the December. Okay, so the first two games in December are on the road. So let's say seven of nine here after this road trip at home, and you've got Seattle, you know, Minnesota, Vancouver, Carolina is obviously really good, but Detroit, Columbus, like, you know, good teams. Obviously in the NHL, there's no, there's no gimmies, there's no soft spots, but like that's not exactly murderer's row either. 
So if you're going to make some hay and if you're going to rely on your goaltending and, you know, your home crowd, wink, wink, nod, nod, because there hasn't been much of a home crowd lately, um, you know, you, you've got a chance to do it. The schedule allows you to do it. You mentioned a lot of numbers that are pertinent to the offense and the struggling offense. And I, I really think, though, if, if, if it is going to be realistic, if they are going to do that, it's going to have to be the defense that tightens up and, you know, just the scoring chances that they're giving up, you know, the last few games. I mean, 44 against the Maple Leafs, 41 against the Ducks, 49 against Dallas. Like three straight games with 40 plus scoring chances never happened before. I, I went through last night and I hope I counted this right. According to Natural Stat Trick, the first four years, I counted 10 games combined where they gave up 40 or more scoring chances. And they've given up four already this year and three games in a row. So as much as we talk about the offense and all that, like that's kind of a given. It's it's the defense that really has to tighten up in front of the goaltenders for, for them to be able to stay afloat, you know, stay around 500 and do all of the things that, you know, we're talking about they have to be able to do to make a run later on. Yeah, how realistic, I guess, do we think it is that they're going to, tighten up at any point here. I mean, their goals against numbers aren't like necessarily atrocious, but I think as we talked about, I think even um, last episode, that's largely because they've been getting really good goaltending um, from Robin Leonard, mainly than Laurent Brassois and the one start that he's had uh, so far. And even though Leonard, you know, I didn't exactly light it up last night, you know, allowed four goals. I think for the most part, he's the one, that kept them in that game and is the reason they had a chance to kind of be close in that game as long as they were. Um, the Knights are tied for 26 and goals allowed per game uh, with 3.33. So not stellar numbers, but I think it could be a lot worse based on uh, the goaltending they're getting. And I think what's, you know, interesting or at least notable to me, Dave, is that, you know, they've been preaching this defense, defense first mentality that you mentioned basically since, you know, the moment Stone and Pacioretty left the lineup uh, in game two against L.A. Since that game, basically most Knights players and obviously Coach Pete DeBoer have acknowledged, you know, we got to be stingy. We got to be tight. We have to play a different way right now in order to get points and win hockey games. And outside of a really strong performance uh, on the road at Colorado, I don't think we've seen that almost at all consistently from this team. They've been giving up a lot of chances, uh, you know, in their initial games after those two guys left the lineup. And, you know, you mentioned it even last night, those chances are still happening. I don't, we haven't quite seen them lock it down consistently. Like they seem to be trying to. Can I, can I like do the red hundred emoji at this point? Does that show up on a podcast? Cause yeah, like totally agree. It's, it's a lot of lip service. They have talked and talked and talked about this. You know, they've said they have to do it and they haven't yet looked in the mirror and made the adjustments necessary to actually do what they keep talking about. You know, if they're going to be that way, if they're going to play that way, it needs to show up in the numbers and needs, needs to show up on the ice. Like you go back to that, that Islanders game. I mean, it seemed like every time the Islanders went the other way, it was a scoring chance against uh, even the Dallas game. Like they were very fortunate to get one point out of it, let alone the two. 
And to your point, like the, the Colorado game is the one time that's the blueprint that they've executed it. And I don't know if it's because Colorado was struggling or there's just something about a confidence that they have that, you know, came out of that playoff series and they, they understand, you know, the formula against that. I, I Maybe they're just the avalanche kryptonite for, for whatever reason, but they need to go back and look at that film, that execution and be able to do that against the rest of the league. And I understand that Toronto is different and that's a very high octane offense that slowly but surely seems to start, you know, to get going. And that game just wasn't a fair fight last night. I mean, it felt like it could have been seven or eight and the Knights would have been waving a white flag, you know, like you said earlier, if not for Leonard and and some of the saves that he made. It just, you know, they're throwing out there right now something in between an NHL and an AHL lineup. Like, let's be frank. So if you're going to do that and you know the offense isn't going to be consistent, you have to be tighter in the zone. You have to protect the house better. There has to be just more of a commitment, you know, to playing these games two-on-one. You can't just talk about it. You know, they have to actually go out there and execute, you know, dump and chase hockey and, and you know, swallow their pride a little bit if that's what it takes and play that way. Yeah, we'll see if they're able to do that. I mean, you kind of mentioned their schedule. It's not a daunting rest of the road trip. Uh, they're at Ottawa, at Montreal, and then at Detroit. All teams that, you know, have not exactly been lighting the world on fire to start the year. So it's possible for them to still pick up points on this road trip. And, you know, as we've said uh, for weeks now, you know, the idea for the Gold Knights with kind of the state they're in is not to, you know, have to win the next three and have a three and one road trip. They have a two and two road trip or, you know, two, one, one, or even probably one, one, two or whatever, you know, if they can just get points, that's probably fine for them. Cause you know, you kind of trust that if they get everyone back and healthy, they're going to have enough talent to eventually, you know, go on at least enough of a run to finish in a playoff position uh, Calgary and Edmonton have gotten off to uh, excellent starts in the Pacific, but you look and uh, the Knights are still only four points back of San Jose for you know the third spot in the Pacific Division, and I don't think there's uh, anyone that thinks you know the Knights if they ever get back to close-ish to full strength can't run the Sharks down. But there's obviously a long way to go and a lot of season left. And how's this for a transition? We don't know what the Knights roster will look like even tomorrow. Uh, and that, of course, is because uh, we touched on last week the Jack Eichel rumors and they still haven't gone away. Uh, at times, it seemed like last week things were getting pretty close that he would maybe finally move out of Buffalo, but still hasn't happened. He's still there. Uh, the latest update was from ESPN's Emily Kaplan uh, last night, Tuesday night. Uh, she reported that the Knights and Calgary are basically considered the two finalists for Jack Eichel. She said the trade is, quote, on the one-yard line. Now, it's obviously we're recording a podcast on uh, Wednesday afternoon, and the trade hasn't gotten past the goal line yet. So, uh, you know, who is to say where it actually is? I know uh, over the weekend when I uh, kind of retweeted another update on Twitter, people were Jumping into my mentions, basically saying, you know, 
uh, call me when it happens or I'm sick of seeing kind of these same updates over and over. Uh, so I think people are ready for a trade to happen and just to find out one way or another, what is the next NHL team that Jack Eichel is going to be playing for? Uh, Dave, where is your uh, Jack Eichel fatigue at right now? And how ready uh, are you for him to not necessarily stop being a topic? Because, of course, if he comes to the Golden Knights, he will absolutely very much be a topic. But just ready for the trade rumors to stop being a topic. Exhausted. Like, get it done. Somebody, somebody, like, figure it out. Like, just, I'm not going to complain here because... Very grateful for my job. I love what I do. We're very fortunate. But I don't like being held hostage by this and spending my afternoons trying to text and call and figure out what's going on, try to find out news for folks, you know, get some things out there uh, and not be able to hear anything and have my life kind of pretty much shut down because of it. Like not to give, again, too much complaint or too much insight into, you know, what we do. But yeah, like... I'm literally afraid to get in my car and go to the drive through and get food because I don't want the news to break. <laughs> you know, that's no way to live. Like, come on, somebody like pull the trigger. Well, not okay. That's a terrible way to, to phrase it. Somebody get it done. Somebody do something already. Like stick, poke, do something, please. Yeah. I think we all want something to happen just for, uh, the saga to move into its next phase, which will be Eichel, you know, getting his surgery and then, you know, getting ready to play for whichever team will have him. Because we all know he's played his last game for the Buffalo Sabres at this point. It's just a matter of, you know, which team will he play for next? Obviously, one of those teams that, you know, is still a possibility, as we said, is the Golden Knights. I think it's a fascinating wrinkle that the other finalist is uh, potentially Calgary, which means he's going to the Knights division either way, either with them or uh, against them. Uh, as we have touched on uh, throughout kind of, you know, the last couple of weeks and even into the offseason, uh, Eichel, obviously one of the most talented players in the NHL, would be kind of the, you know, true number one center the Knights have never really had. Uh, but of course, a trade for him would be extremely complicated for the Knights, not just because of what they would have to give up to get him, uh, but also because of the salary they'd have to move around to make the money work. Uh, last week, we were already talking about, okay, how tricky would that be for the Knights because they've already had so many subtractions off this roster due to injury. Well, now we've got William Carlson out as well. So do you think that plays into the Knights' decision even more, Dave, of like what could they afford to give up in a trade for Eichel? off their current NHL roster in the short term because they're going to need to get guys off the NHL roster at some point to make the money work. Uh, you know, does that affect their process during this trade at all? I mean, it seems from the outside, maybe it would. Um, I can go back to last week in the podcast. And, you know, I think we recorded it last week on Thursday when I had mentioned I, you know, was kind of tipped off and on high alert and, you know, since then, it's come out that it was really close on Friday. And for whatever reason, you know, it, it didn't go through at that point. So, you know, I mean, you wonder, you can try to connect the dots. Like, did William Carlson's injury. So, 
part of my understanding with, with Carlson's injury was like, he knew something was wrong, like almost immediately after he took his skate off and they did the x-ray, like it did, it did not take long for them to know that something was wrong. If that game, which happened to be at five o'clock, cause it was at Nevada day ended a little earlier. And that happened to give them some time maybe to say, whoa, 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 hang on a second. You know, we need to figure some, some stuff out here for, for a minute. I don't know. I mean, I think you could make that logical conclusion. I don't know if it's correct, but you know, it's possible. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts to this, and and it's really hard to know, you know, where the, where the knights are in terms of how much does Stone, Pacioretty, Patrick, like all, how much did all of this, you know, accumulation of injuries slow things down. Or did were they able to just plow straight through this based on who they're putting on the table and whom they're making their offer for? Because let's just say hypothetically, it's somebody like Alex Tuck. Well, Alex Tuck really isn't, I guess, quote unquote, part of the group, as as Pete DeBoer likes to say. They're they're pushing forward right now with other guys that are figuring out roles and things like that. So if Alex Tuck is the centerpiece, again, hypothetically you know, then it doesn't, it's not gutting your roster. And then you can get, you know, some guys back here maybe sooner than, you know, you thought. And and maybe you can, you know, get to where you need to get to, you know, and have, have a, have a guy like Jack Eichel help you in the, in the back half of the season. If you have to, depending on what Buffalo wants, you know, put roster players on the table. Yeah. Then maybe you're the Knights going, well, we can't do that right now. You know, we're absolutely a mash unit. We can't do it. Sorry, Kevin Adams. Like I, that, that could absolutely be, you know, part of the conversation. So uh, it, it's a it's a big X factor in all of this because I don't think I certainly don't think Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee and the Knights or anybody plan to have basically six players in five of their top nine or I, I guess it's maybe four of their top nine because they plan for Dogs Talk, but. You know, either way, like if they're if they're working on this and things are getting close, and then all these guys are dropping like flies, you can't help but hit the pause button. I think if you're Kelly McCrimmon and say, "Okay, hang on, let me just make sure that that we can still do this if we're going to do it." Right, and there's a lot that goes into it as we talk about. I mean, you mentioned like Alex Tuck, um, obviously a Syracuse native, so could make some sense under contract for a while, so he would be. You know, as much of a future ad for Buffalo as a present one, just like Eichel would be, you know, a long-term ad for the Knights, not just a short-term one. In fact, they wouldn't get a boost uh, from Eichel in the short term, just like the Sabres wouldn't get a boost from Tuck in the short term. But the roster player thing you mentioned, I mean, has me curious just because obviously the beginning of this season and the mash unit, as you put it, the Knights have become, which obviously if you're the Knights, there's just very little you can do about that. I mean, it's one thing to preach depth and to preach, you know, kind of having, you know, organizational guys that can step in and fill in roles. There's just nothing. I think if you're the Knights, you can do to prepare for not only that many guys, but that many top guys being injured. Just a salary cap league is not built for you to be able to withstand that many injuries. Um, But if you're the Sabres and the interesting thing about the Sabres this year is that despite all of us kind of entering the season thinking, oh, we're there going to be in a tank off 
with the Coyotes, and it's just going to be a race to see who finishes with the worst record in the league. The Sabres have taken the opposite approach. They already have a 10-point lead on the Coyotes when it comes to you know finishing for the worst overall record. The Sabres are 5-3-1, and one. they've got 11 points in nine games. I think their fan base, uh, who is accustomed, by the way, to hot starts that fizzle out, but I think this time, you know, it might have given them at least uh, some, you know, interesting things to think about. Don Granado seems to be doing a very good job as coach there. I wonder if, you know, we have heard rumors most of the summer that Buffalo only wanted future assets in an Eichel deal. I'm wondering if the fact that all of a sudden they look like they might be at least somewhat feisty and who knows how sustainable that is. Maybe changes Kevin Adams thinking uh, a little bit as to whether he would take kind of guys that can help in the present back more than maybe he would at the beginning of the year. I think maybe the calculus could have changed for the Sabres as well, Dave. Yeah. And so I'll actually throw this out there as we're, as we're recording this, this came across on Twitter from uh, Kevin Weeks, uh, NHL network and former goalie that he says from his understanding, uh, the flames, uh, I'm trying to interpret this a little bit. My understanding is the Flames have Kachuk, an upcoming first-round pick, a former first-round pick, and two prospects in the Eichel sweepstakes with Buffalo Sabres. So if I'm interpreting that correctly, that would mean the Flames are putting Matthew Kachuk on the table in this trade. That's a big old piece if you're the Buffalo Sabres to look at and say, wow, not only would he help long-term, but that's a short-term help, you know, that could be kind of a game changer for a team that, you know, you know, might be able to, what, fight and scratch and claw and stay in a, stay in a playoff chase and then have, you know, a whole bunch coming behind it. I mean, <laughs> if you're the Knights, put it this way, if you're the Knights and that's actually what's on the table on the other side, that's a, that's a tough deal to, uh, to match, I think. Yeah, Matthew Kachuk, I mean, for people who don't know, I mean, 23-year-old forward on the Flames, kind of a top-line kind of guy. I mean, really, really good power forward kind of guy. Um, Though I will say I find it interesting that, you know, that kind of gets out there before the deal actually gets done because the fact that someone told Kevin Weeks, who has done a great job uh, reporting stuff this offseason and previous offseason, the fact that uh, what Calgary has on the table right now for Eichel is potentially being reported tells me that the Sabres want the Knights to up whatever their offer is. So uh, it's fascinating to see the back and forth. We'll see if it gets resolved uh, before we get out of here. Dave, just do you have any final thoughts or final inklings on how this situation is going to end up going? No, I mean, I think the only thought that I would have is just how much this stuff changes how fluid it is, how it can go from, you know, one front runner to another within minutes and, you know, hours and days. It just, it, until there's a trade call, uh, until everything gets finalized, as we learned over the off season, you know, <laughs> anything on Twitter, you take it with a grain of salt until it's official. So uh, I think I'm going to go and, uh, Make some phone calls or see what I can dig up here. Sounds good. Well, um, we'll, of course, keep you guys uh, up to date on anything and everything that happens 
with uh, Jack Eichel, if in fact something does come to pass, obviously, as you guys have known from listening to us, uh, we're really hoping that something comes to pass so that we can either work on uh, what would be some obviously very interesting stories as to how the move would affect the Knights in the short and long term, or of course, how the Knights will have to cope in the short and long term without a uh, major piece like Jack Eichel. And obviously, it'll be interesting to see how this group fares on the current road trip as well with so many guys injured. Um, but that's going to do it for this edition of the Golden Edge podcast. And as a reminder, we are brought to you by the Las Vegas Review Journal. Make sure you're checking back to ReviewJournal.com because we'll have a story up on uh, any new developments as we get them. Uh, if you download the app, you can sign up for alerts and we will for sure be sending out an alert once we hear anything we, of course, are also presented by Blue Wire. And also, if you guys could uh, rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts, please do this one. Uh, it helps people find us, and we very much appreciate it. Uh, until next time, I'm Ben Goetz. He's David Shane. We are the Golden Edge Podcast. We'll talk to you guys again real soon. Yeah.